Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Too many missed opportunities for VGK. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco. You could follow us at Locked On VGK. Me at Tony Dasco on Twitter. He is Chris Golick, and he can be found at TD Chris G on Twitter. Thanks for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen every day. It's free and available on all platforms. And Chris, the Golden Knights for, I believe, the 19th time this season had more than 40 shots on goal. And once again, VGK winds up on the short end, a 3-2 to two devastating loss to the Devils. Let's break it down. Let's start with the lack of scoring. I want to talk about the lack of offense for VGK. So many opportunities in the game, so many on scrambles. There were loose pucks in front of the Devils' net, uh, including late in the game that the Golden Knights just couldn't capitalize on. They couldn't put them home. Andrew Hammond did a good enough job to stop VGK. And VGK also did a good job in stopping themselves. Uh, Hammond last night, 42 saves. But VGK has to win a game like this. They have to be able to stick the puck into the net. What can we blame offensively on the VGK lackluster performance? Stop me if you've heard this one before. VGK out shots, out shoots their opponent, out chances their opponent. Uh, comes up shorts in a big game. Have we ever seen that happen before? No, not to me. No. It, it, like, <laughs> it, it, and what about the scoring, you know, in these big clutch games where they just cannot break through? We've seen this in the playoffs. We saw it last year as recently as the Montreal series. It's extremely unfortunate. And I've said many times on the show, I love, you know, spray and pay. I love watching a pass to the point, a one-timer, or someone like Petrangelo making a quick move, or Shea Theodore, just to get a little lazy wrist shot kind of through. It might bounce a couple times. But now when they're getting those attempts, you just don't see the bodies crashing the net, maybe not as much puck luck. I don't have an exact way to go through and dissect all of that, but whatever is happening, it just isn't working as well. And this has been now something uh, Pete Dober is going to be uh, potentially remembered for in his, uh, what, three and a half or so seasons uh, with the Golden Knights because this might be the final uh, the final straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, and Mark Stone on the top line, well, that sounds good in principle, but he is not in rhythm. And I have said before on this show as well, Chris, right, that I, I don't think that the, there are fast enough skaters on Eichel's line. And last night, we saw this one instance where Eichel pretty much just circles the ice, hangs onto the puck himself, <laughs> takes it all the way in, and he stopped. But we have seen this act before where VGK dries up when they need to score most. And I think that, you know, in listening to the postgame comments, I think that Pete DeBoer uh, was most disappointed that there was no five-on-five scoring from his top three lines. Totally fair. Very unfortunate. And I saw the play, so I didn't catch the game 
live last night. I was on the ice myself officiating a uh, youth hockey and uh, actually some really high quality uh, beer league hockey last night. Just quick shout out to everyone in uh, Henderson I was with last night. We just started a new season and uh, looking forward to uh, watching these guys play. It was a lot of fun last night. But going back to Eichel, I saw the play you're talking about. I actually caught that out of the corner of my eye during a stoppage. Uh, you, we can peek up from uh, from rank two and get a good look into McKenzie River and see the TV. And I may or may not have been doing that probably a little more than I should have. Might have missed a couple of calls here. And hey, there. it's beer league. It doesn't that. matter. No, no one cares. <laughs> no, no, no. That that That's the part that's not true. This is game eight of the Stanley <laughs> Cup finals, and there are scouts in the stands, damn it. They care. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> no, but back to um, back, back to the Eichel comments. So I, I saw the play. It was two laps around. It was behind the net to the blue line, back behind the net, look for someone to dump the puck off to. And I think now the strategy might be when the other team is matching up against the Eichel line, whether it's line one or whatever line that's going to be at this point, and they're letting them go. They are letting Eichel take the puck. They're letting him make all these great moves and gain speed and stuff like that. But once he does that a couple of times, like you said, maybe it's the, the not the right skaters out there. Mark Stone uh, is at about 80% is what uh, DeBurr was leaning, was mentioning. The quote was some along the lines of Mark Stone at 80% is better than most other players in the league, which is a fair comment, but I don't think Mark Stone is 80%. And I don't think Mark Stone is the man to be out there with Jack Eichel, not in current form, at least. Um, You know, a Nick Waugh, a Yanmark. I like Stevenson going back to center, but Stevenson has the speed to match with Jack Eichel. And I've said it before, it's like Jack Eichel just makes these amazing passes. You have no idea how they get through. And it's hard for, well, there was one last night I caught when we, when I was uh, watching the hockey games, uh, something to Mark Stone. He just couldn't handle a hot pass. And outside of potentially a coaching change, potentially a goaltending change, um, it's going to be to find three or four other skaters who can keep up with Jack Eichel and it doesn't have to be top notch talent. It has to be other players like a true winger in the form of Chandler Stevenson would be someone very important to find to help him out. And eventually that's going to be uh, Brendan Brisson. We have to believe, but three, right. (laughs) On fire. What? Three goals in three games, Uh, three. Yeah. Three VGK shots. Chris hit the post last night, starting with Carlson on that first power play. Wah hit the post on the breakaway. Stevenson later hit the post. And Vegas, you know, they got the odd man rushes that they were looking for. Again, it is just a lack of finishing. And VGK, the puck possession, uh, they played that second period. They did a really good job of playing keep away. They dominated. But the result, again, was just one goal in the second. And is this more about a lack of not finishing, a lack of finishing, uh, than it is in, in playing a hot goalie. I've had enough of, you know, it's a hot goalie because they were cutting away to a, a break last night, right? And uh, Shane Knighty, I think, was, uh, they had the hot mic on still. Oh. And he, goodness. no, he didn't say anything bad. He just said, why are they just shooting the puck directly into Hammond's chest? But they've been doing this constantly. 
uh, into the chest, into the crest, so many occasions. Is this because they're not getting the right angles? How could that be? They're not, they're not trying anything different. Uh, when Carlson does, he misses the net entirely. <laughs> but, but I got to tell you, like, they're just not coming up with these shots when they need them. And, again, they do. They get in deep, and they just put it right into the goalie's chest. So, so the question again, is this more about a lack of finishing or is this more about playing a hot goalie? I'm with you on the hot goalie excuse. That works once in a while. And I don't think that was alluded to a whole lot in the postgame pressers last night, thankfully. Um, but sure, the hot goalie, fine, whatever to that, that's, that's going to happen. And it's unfortunate that BGK has put themselves in this spot to where you know, a hot goalie on a very poor team. I mean, let's talk about this hot goalie for a second here. I was just doing some dynamic research on my side. And Andrew Hammond this year is 4-2-1, and one, but a 370 goals against and a save percentage of 889. So that tells me that he's not been a hot goalie too often. So was he a hot goalie last night? Was he playing well? I'm sure he was. I'm sure he had, had a solid game. He's 64 games played in a 919 save percentage. So, I mean, he's a, a solid goaltender that will get the job done. But we have seen this time in and time out where VGK out chances, out shoots, out, out high quality danger chances, and just doesn't finish. Yeah. You can't tell me the talent's not there. You can't tell me that the secondary talent isn't there. We have an extremely solid top six and then we have a bottom six who now is not too bad I mean hey Colasar got a goal last night I called it on the show I said two <laughs> goals and an assist for Colasar I thought that was my hot take was gonna do it but no it wasn't you know, clean but, though hey Chris it hey, wasn't it wasn't clean. not a clean player he threw Colasar's not a, not he a clean throws player. a pass in front of the net to Lashizen it goes off of PK Subban's skate but do they need to move the puck around more? Uh, they need to get the goalie to move, right? Whoever it is. Isn't that the basic principle here? Of course. And getting the goalie moving left to right, that's one of the first things you need to do. And then the second thing, or maybe the first thing, is if you're going to do the spray and, pay, spray and pray method, you need to get multiple bodies in front of the nets and not just people directly screening the goalie, but a tip play where you launch that shot from the blue line and someone on, to on top of the faceoff circle, that's where your tip or your redeflection comes from. That's how you can generate some very high-quality scoring chances. But it's just get across the blue line, two, three passes, and lazy wrist shot right into the crest. <clears throat> Pardon me. Lazy wrist shot right into the crest. Goalie save. Face-off down low. We're going to lose the face-off unless it's Stevenson. And then here comes uh, the opposition for an odd man rush. And coming up next, stay with us. Robin Leonard returns. We will assess his performance. You don't want to miss this. On Locked On Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs, for your stats and your sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news including this year's basketball playoffs, and also it is the start of the Major League Baseball season. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. 
Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Thanks for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen. It is free and available on all platforms. And for your next listen, make sure that you check out Locked On Now. Nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Okay, here we go. Let's get into Robin Leonard, a topic in and of himself. Pete DeBoer could not hide. I felt his disgust about Leonard when he met with the media after the game last night. And Chris, he flat out said, this time of year, you are looking for your guy to be better than the guy in the other end. And that was not the case. He said Leonard's been hurt. He's had the family issues. Rasprah has been hurt. He said Logan Thompson has been really consistent. Said overall, it's been tough getting consistency out of that position. I have to throw this question out there. Do you feel that DeBoer had no say in starting Leonard over Thompson last night? Did Kelly McCrimmon intervene? The front office, do you feel that they might have told DeBoer what he had to do? Curveball there. I didn't expect that question, um, which is Well, fun. you never know where. I don't know where I'm going to go with these questions, to be honest. But <laughs> I just started to feel maybe that, you know, at times uh, the GM tells the coach, who he has to play. He was not happy with the performance whatsoever, nor has DeBoer been happy with Robin Leonard's play. Very, very fair. And it's a fair question. Um, At the start of the season, there were mentions about all the goaltending changes that were going on once Fleury was gone and how fast uh, they, they signed him. And, Logan Thompson was never in consideration to be the number two right away. I I forgot the exact quote, but it was not a very, it wasn't even like a great quote. It was something along the lines of LT is not ready right now. I forgot the exact verbiage of it, but Logan Thompson was never in play to be the number two at the start of the season. So based off of that quote, could the possibility have been there that he had some influence to start Leonard last night? Sure, fine. It's it's fair. And DeBoer's comments about Robin Leonard last night could potentially support that. He could be doing some campaigning, if you will. God forbid, uh, at the end of the year, this is uh, DeBoer's last season with the Golden Knights. So he could possibly be saying some things just to put it out there that maybe he wasn't completely supportive of this, of who started last night. I, I hope McCrimmon and McPhee and all the way up to Foley, definitely not Foley, but McCrimmon and McPhee, I hope they're not the types who are trying to coach from, uh, from the, pre- or from the, from the luxury suite. Okay. You need to stop complaining. VGK New Jersey played its seventh goalie last night. So no complaining. <laughs> Uh, Leonard had some good saves, Chris. Early in the game, he stopped some rebounds even. And I was impressed, both impressed and frightened, when he came all the way out of the net to the dot in the circle as he poked the puck away from Dawson Mercer coming in on that breakaway. And he even nudged Mercer after he broke up the shot. And that is that Robin Leonard trying to say to all of us that he's okay and he has some mobility uh, when he comes out of the net like that? 
Robin Leonard and mobility, I don't hear mentioned too often in the same <laughs> sense. And that's not a knock on Leonard. Hey, I mean, no, the truth. It's the truth. I mean, maybe, you know, Leonard has heart. No one can question his heart. He cares about the city. He cares about this team. He cares about his teammates. There's plenty of other issues surrounding Robin Leonard as far as how the season has gone. But he has hearts. Um, looking back at last night, I'm, I'm, you might be taking me down this path, but I'm, I'm, maybe I'm jumping the gun here a little bit. But we've mentioned so many times about turnovers, right? Yeah, we have mentioned so many times there. about turnovers. And mm-hmm. how were each of those three goals scored last night? Well, two of the off? three. Two of the three on, on legitimate turnovers. Three of three. Uh, three of three. All three. The third one as well. Okay, so I know McNabb. Stevenson at the blue line. Stevenson at the blue line coughed Stevenson it right on up. On the Boquist goal, which was ridiculous. Okay. Yes. Uh, the other yeah, one was, was uh, Braden McNabb on the first one, the Bastion goal. And then uh, then Hutton on the second. And then Hutton on the Johnson goal. So, yeah, so three for three. That's bad. That's bad. That's, you know, again, we've talked about this on the air and that's been the killer with this team down the stretch. They just do not, they had great puck possession in the second period. Then in the third, like they just are out to lunch. I I can't describe the way that they have all of these mental lapses and a guy, you know, like Chandler Stevenson, he really does well in moving the puck and very little, I think, does he turn the puck over? So I was kind of surprised there, but McNabb, we've seen this. It's a, Yes. Uh, recurring problem with him and uh and Hutton yeah you know again just really bad and then you know I, I wanted to talk to uh about Leonard with the E6 uh he couldn't catch <laughs> I mean That's come good. on yeah he That's couldn't good. catch he couldn't squeeze the puck again this was reminiscent of the Pittsburgh game when he dropped the puck and it went in on the oh. Johnson goal what is going just squeeze the darn puck so there there was two last night that one and the same play so if you go back and watch the game before the e6 as you just stated it was at approximately the 17 minute mark a player from the devils i believe just backhands the puck very nonchalantly towards the nets and leonard actually waves at it now from the camera angle, watching on TV, not being at the game, seeing the north-south perspective of it. I don't know how close it actually was, but Leonard waved at that one as well. From the reaction, I felt he could have stopped the puck and gloved it and gotten a face-off, so none of the other stuff even happened. But just terrible, 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 terrible. And I hate to simply trash on Leonard, but... How do you not? The, the first goal, we're going to move on. Turnover, shot. He left a juicy rebound, but if there's a goal, we're going to excuse Leonard for the first one, he gets a pass. Then the E6, there's two E6, well, one E6 and then one play he should have had, but the score will not give him an error because he never touched the puck. There you go. Um, just drops the rebound right in front there. And that has to take so much wind out of the sails of all the players on the ice. And then the third goal, oh, my goodness. I mean, again, turnover to start. Let's let's be fair. Turnover to start. Stevenson at the blue line. And our highest paid defenseman gets dangled, an ankle-breaking dangle. And 
I think Leonard is still looking up uh, somewhere in the luxury. I think he, maybe he, Leonard looking was looking for a hamburger? at McPhee and McCrimmon. That's what he was doing. He was looking at McPhee and McCrimmon. Yeah. Or is he looking for a hamburger? Remember, remember he said, you know, a lot of fans believe that he's looking in the stand for a hamburger. Here comes the hamburger. I, I think he found coming. they had the hamburger in the stands and they had the hamburger Hammond down to the other end, uh, the goalie. <laughs> And then, yeah, Boquist, that was ridiculous. He loses the puck again. Okay, okay, so I wanted to talk about this before we go to a break. Okay, so Chris, third period down two goals. Oh, my goodness. VGK waited entirely too long before they they pulled Leonard from the net. Uh, they're down two goals. DeBoer looked mad. He was mad at his assistants. They're both going to go. I mean, his top two assistants are as good as gone, Okay. Uh, especially because of the lack of power play scoring. So I think that's a done deal. I think DeBoer stays assistants are gone. But again, there was 241 remaining only when about, you know, there had to be close to three and a half or four. I think they wasted an entire minute there before they finally pulled. Uh, what are they looking at? Analytics before they finally pull him. And then Stevenson scores with a minute 14. But you don't give yourselves enough of a chance to come back and to at least tie this game. I, I didn't. I, I thought they they totally blew that last night. And I know that DeBoer was yelling at someone. And off to the side, I thought that it was one of the assistant coaches, and I couldn't tell who. Possibly. Um, like I said, I wasn't fortunate to uh, be in the arena last night and to catch some of those things. But that's definitely a, a possibility. There's a lot of arguments about when to pull the goalie, when is right. And you see a lot of um, a lot of people out there thinking that coaches should be a bit more aggressive. I'm not against it, although really fast. This was an odd occurrence just crossed my mind. Probably 2006, 2007, something like that. I'm at the United Center for a Blackhawks game, regular season game, and they're playing the Blues. The Blackhawks are just routing them. Just a nothing. It's a nothing game for the Blues, and they pulled the goalie with like eight minutes left or something strange like that. And they scored. The Blackhawks got an empty netter pretty fast. Point being, that's a little too soon. We're not going to start doing crazy, crazy nonsense like that. But sure, a little more aggression. What do you got to lose at that point? You're down three to one to the Devils, and they looked pretty good when the goalie was pulled. They, Stevenson got a goal. They had multiple chances at the end. And at that at that point in the game, you're desperate. Sure, you have an extra attacker. But I, what I would question before we tear too deep into the timing of pulling the goalie is the, the mindset, if you will. Once there's 10 minutes left, that's when the skaters on the ice need to go into that desperation mode. Sure, you might give up an odd man rush, and so be it if you do. But you need to get into that desperation mode earlier in the third. So maybe you don't have to pull the goalie. Maybe you tie the game before that. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Stay with us. Coming up next, can VGK win out? It's their only chance of making the playoffs, we believe. Stay with us right here on Locked On Golden Knights. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com 
at home and in your pocket. Save time and save money when using Rock Auto. Uh, Why choose to spend 30, 50%, even 100% more for some of the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump. It is $353 from a chain store, but just $216 from Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything that you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpeting. So go explore their easy-to-use website today. You could find a solution for all of your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com, RockAuto.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick. And we are mixing it up here in Las Vegas. So, Chris, seven games to go. Pete DeBoer said uh, again that the BGK would have to go five and two to make it into the playoffs. So now what happens? Five games remaining and they have to win them all. They have to run the table. How in the world does this team put it all together? And that's a lot of pressure. It, It definitely is. And Washington Wednesday at home, that's hopefully the bounce back game. And then your favorite, we got three uh, full calendar days off. And then the Sharks come to town. The Sharks would absolutely love to play spoiler against us. The Sharks are going to give us their best game of the season, just like the New Jersey Devils did last night, because the Devils had nothing to play for. You saw the way they celebrated after the game. This, in their mind, was a playoff-like situation. Sharks going to come in with that same mindset. And then the next, the three final games of the road trip. We're going to Dallas, who Dallas could end up being the team that the Golden Knights are vying for for that final wild card spot game in Chicago the very next night back to back games which goalie's going to start <laughs> we can debate that in another show at another time the Mulligan game we might catch is the final game of the year against the Blues the Blues potentially that game might not matter to the Blues they might be solidified in their playoff seating by that point So the hope is the Blues are simply playing out the string there and we get lucky and catch them in a spot where that game is absolutely meaningless. Looking at schedules now, this is where it's not too pretty. The Kings, who were still uh, a few points behind, Anaheim, Chicago, Anaheim, Seattle, Vancouver. I don't see a path to catching the Kings just based off that schedule, even with all their injuries withstanding. Dallas is interesting now. Dallas, who has a game in hand, unfortunately, but back-to-back roadie, Edmonton, Calgary, Wednesday, Thursday. Then they're home against Seattle. Vegas will be playing in Dallas on the 26th. Then Dallas goes back-to-back at home against Arizona. Maybe Arizona can do us a favor. And then they finish the season against Anaheim. I honestly think catching Dallas is the spot because Dallas has a tougher schedule. We get to play them heads up, so that's a four-point game. But it's it's not looking great. I do agree 10 points in the final uh, final six, seven games is what we needed. The pressure's on now, and there's a lot of pressure. And if they don't get there, whew, a lot of changes next year. 
Yeah, changes next year. M- must win games. And then uh, the Canucks, uh, they could uh, move ahead of VGK uh, tonight with the win. Uh, they have a back-to-back. But I, I looked at their schedule, and it's rather difficult. And, you know, Chris, with or without injuries, the one thing that just keeps occurring to me as well is that VGK has lost its edge at home. They have lost the home ice advantage. And, yeah, I did. I noticed that the New Jersey Devils – had quite a celebration, including P.K. Subban in the middle of things, just jumping sure. up and down. It, you know, this was a big win for them. We knew that they were going to come in here and play hard. said either they're going to play hard or they're still going to be hungover from the night before. But, you know, they, they, they have been down the stretch a very difficult team. I think they had uh, all but like one point that they left on the table during this road swing. The Devils, they've played very well late in the season. But what has happened to the home ice advantage. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying there. And T-Mobile has always been an interesting environment. Sure, we got all the hoopla and everything that goes into the, the production of the games and the experience. Same breath, VGK has always been very heavy with, with road fans coming to visit. Something that I, I personally enjoy. I know the front office doesn't like seeing all the other sweaters and stuff like that. But I, I think it makes for a fun environment. But there are times when there could be, I mean, season one, I go back to, uh, it was a Friday night game. I believe it was the third home game of that opening week. And the Red Wings are in town. It was 50-50, maybe even 55-45 as far as the road fans traveling to T-Mobile. So that's going to take a bit of the home ice advantage away. That said, the New Jersey Devils are not exactly known for uh, how well they travel. All the cameras were able to find a few fans in the stands every time uh, the Devils were uh, lighting us up last night. There's more pressure at home. That's always a fair statement. On the road, it's a little bit easier. You can just kind of focus on hockey because that's the only thing you do when you're on the road. You play cards and you practice and you go play a game. We're at home. You know, all these players have lives outside of hockey. They got families and things that could possibly be a distraction at times. Um, The first game back from a road trip is always weird. We mentioned that last week, and Vancouver came in and absolutely blew us out of the water. That could have something to do with it, too. Point being, though, you got to play better home than you do on the road. That's normally the, the path to success. You have to be able to count on winning at home. You have to count on making your layups at home. And last night was a layup. You can argue the Vancouver game uh, recently at home should have been a layup. That's four huge points right there. And they weren't. And like I said, we're not done. I mean, it's not over. A five-game win streak has happened before. It has happened to the Golden Knights before multiple times, including uh, recently. It's not over yet. But if we don't get there... It's going to look interesting next year. Yeah, it definitely will. Any line changes you would like to see on Wednesday night? I know that Pete DeBoer, he doesn't want Stone and Pacioretty on the same line because they're both trying to fit in, trying to get back into their rhythm. But what other line changes might we anticipate? And another question, too, who is going to lead this VGK team? Who is going to leave the VGK team? Was that the question? Lead. Lead, excuse me. My apologies. So, well, we know a bunch of players line. are going to leave. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I mean, there's going to be a lot. <laughs> right now, who will the leader be on this VGK team? Eichel. Eichel, 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 Eichel. Eichel is who this team is going to be absolutely built around. 
Hold on. Not- Hold on. Okay, so <laughs> I got to go back to the Eichel quote. I forgot to mention this last week. So, Chris, after the <laughs> after the Calgary game, he was asked, did that feel like a playoff atmosphere out there to you? And Eichel said, I don't know. I've never been in the playoffs. <laughs> Pardon me. No, I mean, that's hysterical, right? Yeah, it's – I but like true. it. Um, so how is he going to lead this team if he doesn't know what the playoffs even <clears throat> taste like or feel like? Sorry, I needed the coffee there. The frog has entered my throat too. Um Eichel is a very exciting player, and he is the most dynamic player that we have from the offensive side. VGK has had a lot of good scores, including William Carlson's season one and his huge year that he has yet to even come close to sniffing. Um, But Eichel is dynamic. Eichel is the one player that we have never had who can simply take control of a game. Now, I will passively argue that we had a player kind of like that. His name was Alex Tuck. Alex Tuck was, in my opinion, is, in my opinion, one of the toughest players to stop when he has a full head of steam uh, between the blue lines. Tuck has that gear and that size and that speed that was very, very, very hard for the opposition to stop but it's not something that he can just turn on and do all the time. Whereas Jack Eichel, he can do it every time. He can create time. He can create space. And now this leads into the question about the lines. I am with you that Eichel needs speed around him. I wish, I wish we had another center outside of Stevenson that could play that, that could fit the top six role nicely. I guess that person is supposed to be William Carlson, but it's not right now, unfortunately. So moving Stevenson back to the wing with Eichel might be the best move. And then someone like Yanmark, who has speed, but he's not an overloaded type of skill player where you have almost too much skill on one line. Um, even a patcher ready up there who can be the finisher. Line one with um, Eichel, Stevenson, Pacioretty could look very, very nice because Pacioretty does not have the speed he once had right now, combination of age and injury. Um, So that's how I think I would start with line one. And then Jonathan March, so, I mean, didn't even mention his name as a consideration for that line. You know, maybe you do go back with Carlson, March, so, and like a Nick Wah or something like that on line two. And then, Line three, you got the down off down there and just kind of uh, fill up the roster from there. But at this point, you really need to make a lethal top six. And they're going to be double, triple shifted where line three is going to come out there and grind away some defensive minutes. And, you know, even though our our, uh, most exciting goal scorer as of late, Keegan Colasar might not get a a whole lot of minutes. um, You really need to get the skill players out there and, you know, those, uh, the top six might wind up each logging 22, 23 minutes in the next game. They, they have to, right? They have to. Yeah, for sure. And uh, don't miss tomorrow's show. We will preview VGK and the Caps. It's uh, coming up on Wednesday night at the Fortress. Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Hockey. The hosts steal Roden, Flip Livingstone. They help you to become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. We thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you again tomorrow for Chris Golick. I'm Tony Cardasco. Thank you all for tuning in. 
to Locked On Golden Knights. Take care.